it's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back to another episode and a new week. We've got a really juicy topic on our hands. But before I get into that, just want to check in, see how everyone's doing. I hope you're having a wonderful week. We are in full summer season, so I hope you're getting as much time outdoors as possible. I'm having a great week so far. I was featured in the Goop newsletter. I was interviewed by Megan just about my skincare and makeup uniform. Like, What are the things I do to get that bronzy, dewy glow? And I shared a lot of my favorites, the Le Prunier plum oil, which I just love. The importance of finding a really good cream blush, whether it's the Tower 28 blush or Westman Atelier has a gorgeous cheek blush. I will link to that story in the show notes so you can read all of my summer essentials for like a dewy glazed skin look this summer with bronzer. You need bronzer. Bronzer is really critical in this equation. And of course, you know, I had to give a shout out to that Amicole lip oil. That is my favorite lip oil day or night, an absolute essential. Now, for today's episode, I really wanted to have a nuanced and critical discussion about two big moments in the skincare and beauty space. The first was Emily Weiss leaving Glossier, which is the brand that she launched. It was launched out of her editorial platform, Into the Gloss. And it's no secret that like when I launched Naked Beauty, Into the Gloss was a huge inspiration. Back in like 2015 era, like I can't even begin to express how unique Into the Gloss was because it was the first time you were hearing people, inspiring people talk about their skincare routine and what beauty products they use. And Rachel and I kind of get into how that was really like the first of its kind. And I was really excited to have this conversation with Rachel specifically, Rachel Amandi, who was just brilliant because she's a beauty fan and she's a beauty enthusiast, but she also looks really critically at the cultural landscape around beauty and fashion. She has an incredible podcast called The Cutting Room Floor which is just phenomenal. And it's a really honest look at all aspects of the fashion industry in a way that's really transparent. And I think she's a thought leader. So I was excited to have this conversation with her. Now, when Kim Kardashian's skin, S-K-K-N line launched, the overwhelming consensus from you all, from the Naked Beauty community was, oh no, not another celebrity skincare brand. We don't need this. No one asked for this. But I was eager to kind of talk about it with Rachel, our thoughts, how we found out about it, our reaction to other people's reactions, and just what does it mean about this moment we're in in skincare consumerism, in branding? What does it mean to tap into someone's lifestyle via their skincare and the brand that they project? And there's a lot of nuance here, so I hope you all appreciate this discussion. All right, let's get into it. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This is your official reminder that Father's Day is next Sunday. You can thank me later. Now, if you're still stumped on the perfect gift for dad, the kind that feels like it was made for him, you know, like you want to give a gift that feels like, wow, you really thought of me, Macy's has you covered. They have gifts for every budget and every type of dad at macy's.com forward slash gift fighter. Now for this ad spot, I have recruited Umut, my husband and dad to just give me some insight into what dads are looking for on Father's Day. I actually love Macy's selection in luggage. We haven't been able to travel the way we want to last couple of years. And I'm actually looking really forward for traveling this year and looking at Macy's selection of all luggages, backpacks, even free bags. Like I'm really into it. Yes, I love that. I also love like a little travel toiletry case moment. That's such a great, easy gift that you can get for dad that they'll appreciate. One deserves better than an airline small bag as a toiletry bag. And they have really nice ones that is washable and they're like silicone, etc. I actually got one. It was great. 
Now, I so appreciate this hint from Umu that he wants me to focus on travel. I have to say one of the things that has made me fall more in love with Umu as a partner, but also just seeing him be a father has been when we travel together, even if it's just us going out to the beach in Sag Harbor, just seeing him get into that mode of chief dad in command and being like, okay, we need to get Mavi's snacks. We need to get his sunscreen. We need to fill up his water bottle and bring this and that. Anything I can buy that's going to help him feel empowered to take on that role and make his travel experience better when we're traveling as a family, I will buy. And P.S., for the first time ever, Umut is traveling solo with Mavi on a plane to Los Angeles. So I definitely have to get him like a great travel Father's Day gift. It needs to be done. If you want to pick up a gift now or you need more inspiration, head to Macy's Gift Finder at macys.com forward slash gift finder to make dad feel like you're number one this Father's Day. Maybe I have like 12 listeners that are dads. Happy Father's Day for listening to this. All right, let's get back to the episode. I'm joined by the one and only Rachel Amandi. Welcome back to Naked Beauty, your podcasting home away from home. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, you know, the state of the beauty world, I just feel like the skincare world, the beauty world, I feel like we've had this moment where like Emily Weiss has stepped down from Glossier, which I want to get into with you. We've got yet another skincare celebrity brand on our hands with skin by Kim Kardashian. And I just wanted to have a conversation. Podcaster to podcaster, you are the host of The Cutting Room Floor, which I'm obsessed with. It's an incredible, incredible podcast coming back, you said, at the end of June? June, we're back. Okay. So everyone, make sure that you hit up their Patreon and that you're subscribed. You get like a little clip and then you can listen to the full episode on Patreon. But you interviewed just like some of the most exciting people in fashion. And I'm very excited for this next season. Thank you. Me too. And I think I told you this, I, I may have told you this a long time ago, that like every time I put on a Rick Owens like tank or t-shirt, I think of you for some reason. And I don't know why. And then when I was getting dressed to interview you tonight, I was, I like put on this Rick Owens thing because I was like, I'm talking to Rachel. I don't know why. I think it's because, you know how like we figured out that like we knew each other through like blogs and stuff before we like knew each other. I think it's because there's like a picture of you and like a Rick Owens tank top that I like always remember and associate with you. I just make that association in my brain as random as that is. I am an ambassador for the Rick Owens wife beater. Every color. I am. <laughs> That's like my thing and kind of always has been. It was the first Rick thing I ever bought and then I couldn't stop. And then, you know, I do have other Rick stuff, but it was more like, you know, sample Sam, blah, blah, blah. But those white beaters are just perfectly cut. The neckline, the hemline, the fabric. It's just, it's so good. Any kind of like knit basics that he has are just the best. So I'm actually very flattered by that. And um, I support that message for sure. <laughs> Great. Well, I want to get into Kim Kardashian and skin, but before I do that, we need to take a moment for Glossier. So Emily Weiss, who is the founder of Glossier, announced in May that she was stepping down and appointing someone else to be the CEO of Glossier. And she kind of said, she did like a little Instagram post being like, I'm still going to be around and I've got a baby to raise, by the way, because she's pregnant right now. Congratulations on the pregnancy. But she said, I'm going to still like kind of be around developing products, but I am stepping down and welcoming Kyle Leahy as the next CEO of Glossier. So how did you hear the news? Did you see this Instagram post or did you see it like on Business of Fashion or, you know, trade publication? Trade, Business of Fashion. A couple of people had like sent me the BOF like link, you know, in my DMs. So I think I technically saw it through DMs first, but yeah, BOF, of course. Yes. And I think it's interesting she sort of preemptively, and I'll read the exact language she used in the caption, she sort of preemptively acknowledged that most people would see this as a bad thing or as a failure. She said, if there's one thing that's certain in the life of building a company, I guess, if there's one thing that's certain in life, it's change, which is often growth, which is the stuff that evolution is made of. Change gets a bad rap. We're programmed to hate it, three exclamation marks, especially when there's a lot of it as there have been these past couple of years. The Glossy was founded on a huge belief at the present moment that wherever you're at, blah, 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 we should celebrate it. Then she says she's stepping down over the years, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think it's interesting that 
she was even aware in her language that this would be perceived as maybe some sort of a failure or that she wasn't able to like bring Glossier to the finish line. How did you perceive the news as soon as you saw it? I felt like it was fitting. I felt like it was fitting. I didn't feel negatively. I didn't feel like it was here nor there. I didn't feel like it was scandalous or salacious. I didn't feel any negativity around it or didn't even perceive that there would be negativity around it at all either. I felt like it was fitting. You know, to me, Emily Weiss is a bona fide icon. I feel like she did what she came to do, period, point blank. And she's a mom now. And, you know, of course, she probably wants to free up her time and devote her time and energy to this, like, next baby that she's developed. So, (laughs) developed, that sounds weird, but... (laughs) In her womb. (laughs) You know, like, your company's a baby, then your baby's a baby. So, to me, I felt like, you know, it was time. And she, again, she came, she saw, she conquered... The beauty of a company like that is it's built. She doesn't have to run it. And she's past the stage of needing to be there every day, I'm sure, to make sure it runs. I mean, the branding is there. The messaging is there. The code is there. It's etched in culture. It's there. So she can step away and do her thing. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting. I think a lot of people perceive me for some reason as like a Glossier hater because When Glossier first launched and I had this podcast, I was very clear that I was not a Glossier girl. People would come on the podcast and they'd be like, oh, well, you don't even like Glossier. I'm like, it's not that I don't like it. I just feel like it's not really like clean makeup. It's not giving NARS and Pat McGrath. It's not speaking to me. It doesn't like call to me. But I appreciate the branding and what it did. What I've noticed, because I think people have this perception of me that I was like anti-Glossier, there was negative press coming out around like the company and how they had to close all these stores. And people were like sending it to me like, oh, they're crumbling. I am not rooting for this woman to fail at all. I think it's interesting that in like the girl boss era, there is this disturbing trend that I am seeing where people are actively not rooting for people. And I hate to see people do that with Emily. I, as you said, I think she is like a bona fide icon. Now let's break down why she's an icon. This is something that I heard you say directly. You said it so succinctly, the skincare routine and into the gloss. Now I'm very public about the fact that one of the biggest motivations behind me creating Naked Beauty was that I loved reading interviews on into the gloss. And I wanted to bring that to an audio format. I wanted to get into people's skincare routines. Before Into the Gloss, let's just talk about the blog landscape and the fact that no one was really talking about skincare in this detailed format, period. No one. No one was. And I think the reason why Emily Weiss is unfuckwithable in my book is because she's kind of one of one. A lot of the things that we saw in the decade to follow were mimicking some of the things that she built. And that's across multiple different pillars, right? Like, She was a trendsetter in going to Silicon Valley. She was a trendsetter in the skincare routine. She was touching both sides of the aisle, from the fashion editorial side and the like finance tech side. She was doing both. A lot of people aspired to what she built across the board. So that's number one. Number two, I think to your point about like the girl boss era, I actually don't really... I don't like to put Emily in that category of like the girl boss era because, and if she is, then she's a V girl boss. She's with a capital G. You know what I mean? Like, and that includes Sophia too. Like, even though Sophia was first, like, and even though Sophia coined the term, like, if she is a girl boss, she's the girl boss. You know what I mean? With a capital T, capital G, the girl boss for Glossier, like G, 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 G. Like, you know, most of the girl bosses that we speak of are mimicking Emily. And that's just, you know, she had the girls in a chokehold. That's just an undeniable, you know, the way she ate up those girls on the hills. I'm sure that was a little bit of acting, a little bit of jaja for the cameras, but still, you know, that was where I was introduced to her. Oh yeah. Iconic. Ate those girls up. They didn't know what a chinoiserie was. I mean, like Emily was just (laughs) killing the game from the beginning, had an incredible editorial eye. I had a very great blog that had a master plan from the very beginning. The branding from Into the Gloss into Glossier was a seamless transition. Nothing was ever pixelated. The photography had a style, a typeface, and she was a hustler. She's a natural born hustler. You, Some people are just born with that. So like, there's a lot of reasons why I'm like toxic girl boss culture. I think there's a lot of people who exemplified that. And if Emily did, it's not the conversation I want to have. There's certain people that I feel like, not that they're above criticism, but I feel like when you created things that have 
influenced culture in such a significant way, like into the gloss did and thus glossier, I think it's right to spare some people a little bit of criticism because it's like, you didn't do this. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when people are like, I don't really like Beyonce. It's like, you don't get to talk about that. Do you know what I mean? Period. Period. She might not be a perfect person. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there's some toxicity by just being a woman in business, you know what I mean? And running your first bit. Sure. But there's some people that it's just like, "Mm, I think all you need to be saying is thank you. I feel like we need to leave it there. (laughs) I agree. And the fact that, so the New York Times announced this, the headline for the New York Times, you know what it was? What was it? It was the sun setting of the girl boss is nearly complete. That was the headline when they announced it, which I felt was, to your point, not paying her her respect. And again, I'm saying this as someone who is not, I'm not the, like, Glossier products. A few of, I have it, like the cloud paint, the lip gloss. We can get into the products in a second because I agree with you. There are products that I like, but I'm, I'm not like the biggest product fangirl. But I feel like, to your point, you need to give her her dues for her impact on the culture. Do you remember when the Glossier retail flagship store opened in Soho? Of course, yeah. I mean, it was like this like mecca. And I think maybe, I, again, like a little older than like the customer at the time, maybe a little more jaded. Like I wasn't like going to wait in line to, to go into a store. But even down to like the stickers on the mirrors that would say like, you look great and they had a whole thing about like boyfriends waiting at the Glossier store for their girlfriends as they were shot. Like just that. And I think also big credit to a lot of amazing women of color that I know that worked at Glossier and into the gloss and thinking about uh, my friend UT, like they hired expert people on social. They understood how to talk in a language that was accessible and cool and relevant. It kind of reminds me of like, remember the early days of Reformation when people were like, oh, the copy's just like so good. It was like, it was this idea of a total 360 brand at every single touch point you like understand glossy. And then that color pink, that iconic color that's so associated with the brand. So I can't think of a skincare or makeup brand today that has as strong of a brand identity as Glossier. Can you? I mean, it was the first. It was the first. And I don't want to like put it on a pedestal to the point where we negate, you know, Korean skincare or Michelle Phan, who was on Instagram very early, but that was different. That was more makeup for one. And two, what Into the Gloss did, it was an innovation in editorial. It wasn't about promoting a certain product. It was about just asking regular women what they did. To me, that was an unearthing. There wasn't a time before that where you had this kind of high-low mix, right? And it was also, you know, the models off-duty. She's talking to Ariana Huffington. She gets into, you know, that website started to tap into like, you know, business women and not just models, not just celebrities. And really it made you think, actually, you know what? You're right. We do all have a routine that we're doing, whether we're proud of it, whether we know what we're doing or not. It's this kind of hyper-intimate portion of the day that no one ever really had the balls or had even... I shouldn't say balls, but had the thought to ask about. So from the editorial side, it was a brand new way of approaching it. But also everything else that followed, like you said, the millennial pink and how that how iconic that became from the wing to you know shower cap, right? We both know Jacqueline, the founder of Shower Cap, the first quote unquote digitally native that term digitally native, I'm pretty sure she coined. And if she didn't coin it, had a very heavy hand in making it a thing that we knew about. The language and the copy, like you said, the website, the the kind of cheeky nod to being an internet brand, like the cursor being like a a blinking cursor and, you know, the uh, mouse being like a, a hand and all of these really small things that were so thoughtful. You know, a lot of the beauty images were referencing like Craig McDean and 90s um, photography, like kind of fresh face, clean skin, that blue background with like Annie Cree. But like, I remember it all, you know what I mean? Like, the North remembers, you know? And on top of that, like I said, editorially, it was just so hook, line and sinker. There was no, what do they say? There was no stone left unturned, right? It was so thorough as far as how it was branded. I think that she like made a mark in so many more ways than one. And most of the like, quote unquote, girl bosses, like I said, I think that term is actually demeaning and degrading to Emily, to be honest. I don't think that's an appropriate term for her. Most of them were were trying to be like her in their own way. Yeah. I mean, the term girl boss in general is a little degrading to me. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone wants to be referred to as 
a girl boss. Let's get into the products for a moment. And then I want to come back to something else about kind of the future of Glossier. What were the products that you first learned about when you first was, were introduced to Glossier? And like, do you, are there any Glossier products like in your arsenal today? There's one product that I actually really like. I've tried a couple, not many. Like you said, I'm not a big customer. I'll tell you what, I was a little surprised when Glossier launched in the way they launched product. I thought Into the Gloss was a lot more elevated and I was expecting something a little bit more elevated. So like the stickers, the plastic bottles, I was a little surprised by that. I thought she was going to more so cater to a demographic of women who were growing with that channel, who were going to, or us, millennials are in our 30s at this point, maybe glass bottles, maybe just a little bit more like beauty counter at Neiman's or at Barney's kind of thing. That's kind of where I thought it was going just because I held ITG to, in such a great light. So that was a little surprising. It was a little bit more kitschy, a little bit more younger than I thought it was. I think over time, it kind of became somewhat of like a bath and body works for tweens. It wasn't really a place where I would go. Nevertheless, I was seeded a lot of product and that did convert me into a customer because I really loved the stretched concealer. I still do. I loved the texture of it. I loved the color. It was my color and it worked for me. But as far as products that I tested early on, you know, the same ones that everyone did, the boy brow, I didn't think the brush, the wand was big enough for me, but I do like the idea of a brush, almost like a mascara brush as a way to groom your eyebrows. I still do that, but I just don't use boy brow. The wand was quite small. I didn't really like any of the skincare actual products like the moon mask and some of these early things. I think, again, it was too kind of low quality for me, what I like to use. You know, bomb.com. I loved that. I just thought the branding was great. And the lip balm. The lip balm. Yeah, it was fun to have one of those in your bag and just whip it out. But at the end of the day, it was a glorified Vaseline. You know, no shade. Like I said, I love her brand, but the products weren't really for me. And it makes sense that they're pegging people like Olivia Rodrigo to be the face of the brand because that's really who it's for. It's really young girls who I think think this is the coolest thing ever. The problem with that demographic is, especially in today's day and age, is that they're such a disloyal audience. They outgrow things so quickly. The thing that you think is really cool when you're 14 is not the same thing that you think is really cool when you're 18. You're a different person by that time and it's only been four years. So like when you tap into that market of like tweens and really young people, you have a very volatile audience on your hands because they're going to grow and stretch and change and they're still so impressionable versus tapping to an audience of 30-something-year-old women who are kind of more into who they are. They're probably going to be a more loyal customer and you might be able to keep them longer. Again, I'm not inside of the company. I don't know the numbers, but that was a little bit surprising to me when it launched. I was like, you should have been talking to me, (laughs) not them. You know, what's interesting as you're talking, what it's making me think about is Kosas. When I first discovered Kosas, it was like all black and white packaging, very simple, very kind of elevated, like almost like what you would expect from like Into the Gloss if it was doing makeup. And recently they've gone very Gen Z, like Emma Chamberlain was announced as like their spokesperson. And then the black and white packaging went away. And now it's like kind of like purple and plastic and the products are still just as good. But I have definitely noticed a big change in the branding. And I think that a lot of brands are realizing that in order to be culturally relevant, you have to be Gen Z relevant. So they probably feel that push. And I'm with you. I think, again, people incorrectly pegged me as a hate, like a glossier, like hater or like anti-glossier. And I'm like, I love it if you love it. Just for me and for all of the products that are available in the universe and how I can spend my money, it's not going to be the first thing that I reach for. That being said, I love the cloud paint. Now, does the cloud paint like leak for me and get messy and like not stay in its cute little tube? Like, yes, maybe people are like cleaner and more organized than me and they can like handle a product like that. But I like the concept of the products. As you said, the packaging, that clear lip gloss. Have you tried just like the plain clear lip gloss? Because it's phenomenal. I have. Oh, one of my favorite products from them. The thing that I wanted to come back to is the future of Glossier. And you are someone that has a a very tightly controlled product. First, it was, you know, through clothing. Now I would say like the cutting room floor, your podcast is like your baby. Now, if you were to step down and say, oh, I'm appointing this new voice in the fashion world six years from now, I'm appointing this new person to be the host. It's going to be different, right? The DNA can be there. 
the way that you do interviews can be there. They can reference your archives, but it's going to be different. When Ty Haney from Outdoor Voices was unceremoniously, I think she was like basically dismissed by the board as CEO. When Outdoor Voices came out kind of around the same time as Glossy was popping, that's those two-tone leggings and crop top sets. She left and Outdoor Voices haven't heard much from them. Have you? Like you see people wearing Outdoor Voices. I think their numbers are good, but it's not the same without her. Yeah, which isn't a good sign. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest, I never saw a lot of people wearing outdoor voices. Everything that I ever had was seated to me. It was gifted to me. I've never purchased anything. Oh, really? No, okay. I was a customer. Like I would go to the store, purchase. But now it's, for me, the innovation and design, like I'm not seeing anything interesting or new. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to that brand very much. And again, I think when you have a founder that creates a lot of buzz, that's a, that's a slippery slope because should that founder leave, then where does the company stand? I mean, again, I think Tyler was dismissed for reasons that Emily would never be dismissed for. I'll leave that to the audience to interpret however they want to. But I think at the end of the day, someone else coming in and running the company, however they see fit. I mean, that's the role of a CEO. You know what I mean? It's their job to kind of spear the ship of the business and whatever vision they have for it. But that's a company that I don't know. It's a bit iffy. I mean, that's a bigger topic in general as far as like, do VC, do venture capitalists need to be funding consumer products. I don't think that they do personally. I think VC really works when it comes to tech and things that can scale very quickly, but it became a trend again, because of Emily and also Sophia, you know, Sophia took on venture capital too. So I think that's just a different conversation, but I think it's difficult for a young 20 something year old woman or man for that matter to run a company like that, just because I don't think that the landscape really supported or really supports business like that. You know, you don't need $72 million to sell tank tops. You don't need that. They prioritize a kind of like growth over profit and that's also a slippery slope. So I don't necessarily think it's so much about like Tyler leaving and that's the problem as much as I think that that's a really difficult business model if it doesn't inherently have tech in its DNA. Yes, I hear that. And have you seen We Crashed, the WeWork story on Apple Plus? No, I haven't, but I followed the demise of that whole... Oh my God. I followed the demise, but definitely check out the series with Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. Fascinating stuff. Just all of the money's fake. It's just, there's so much we could say about that. So what do you think is next for Glossier? Like, let's say they were like, hey, Rachel, we want to bring you in as like, I don't know, a brand consultant. Like, what do you think would be interesting for them to do next? Good question. First of all, I would need to know a lot more about the company as far as like data and kind of consumer reports. But off top, I mean, I would say that, I don't know, keep doing what they're doing, I guess, as far as like who they're targeting. I think it worked. I think the girls who love it, love it. But I guess I would, I don't know. I I can't really give on the record something I would charge for. (laughs) Fair enough. You know what? I think the space it's so crowded. It's so crowded and there's so much going on, which brings us to our second topic of Kim Kardashian entering the skincare space. But before we close out on Glossier, anything else you want to add? We give you our blessing to go raise that baby and live your life. Yes. Did yes. It. Thank you. And by the way, for a lot of the founders that I interview, they're like, that's the like goal and the dream. Like, We don't want to be doing this forever. Like, We want to build the company and then go sit down somewhere and relax. Like no one wants to work for forever. Like you've worked enough. You've given the skincare and beauty community so much culturally. So yes, Emily Weiss, your roses for for all of the hard work. Absolutely. I hope you get to interview her for the cutting room floor. That would be an iconic interview. Oh, I would love to. That would be such an honor. That would be great. I would love to do that. Let's put that out into the universe. Now, Miss Kimmy K., Before we get into it, let me just say off top for all the listeners, we're going to try to keep this positive. We're going to try to keep this constructive. I noticed when I, on Naked Beauty Planet, when this was announced, 99% of my audience gave very valid criticisms around her entering skincare. But there was this weird 1% that just hates this woman, like just actively hates her, hates everything she has to do, won't even like entertain the thought of supporting her. So there are some people that just do not like her. And that may be 
warranted. And that's not what we're going to talk about today because that's too complex of a topic. I want to talk specifically about this announcement that this June, we are going to be treated to a new Kim Kardashian brand called Skin, S-K-K-N. It is going to be a nine-step skincare routine that includes serums, vitamin C, eye cream, an exfoliator, a cleanser, the whole thing. This is what she says she's been using for months and her skin has never looked better. Talk to me about when you heard this was launching, what was your initial thought and how did you find out it was launching? Did you see it in trade? Did you see her post? Did someone DM it to you? And what was your first thought? Of course, someone DM'd it to me. And my first thought was actually, I'm surprised it took her so long to get into this space. My first thought was actually like, oh, now? Like, okay, like, sure. It also feels very late just because like people have been doing this for so long now. So that was my first thought. Packaging is beautiful. Color palette is beautiful. Obviously, I didn't expect anything less there. Let's pause on the packaging. So the first thing I thought when I saw that image, especially with like cement blocks around it, I was like, this is like brutalist architecture. This is like brutalism. And it's inspired by Kanye's favorite architect, which made me wonder, because we all know that Kanye was very heavily involved in skims and getting like the right design team and the right sourcing and the manufacturing to make... He kind of was very involved in Yeezy and Skims is a perfected Yeezy. Yes. Okay. But the DNA and the bones for Skims are undeniably Kanye, no? Yes, for sure. And when I saw the skincare, I was like, okay, this like very like brutalist architecture inspired packaging and branding, it's feeling very Kanye. Now they haven't been together for a while now, but it made me think like, how far back does this go? Like, has this been in development for actually a long time? Because we know... Uh, do you watch the show? Are you watching the new Hulu series? Here and there, I've seen some episodes, yeah. Okay, I never watched it when it was on E! I love this Hulu series. Like, I think it's so good. I don't know why it's, like, really doing it for me. And I don't, I'm not even a reality TV girl. But I think one of the things that she's, like, struggling with this season is she's like, Kanye has been my creative director for so long. I don't know if you've seen these episodes, but she's like, I don't know what to wear. Like, I don't know what my style is. Like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what looks good. She's like dealing with this like kind of like identity crisis around who am I without him? And I wondered when I saw that packaging, is this what she would have come to on her own without him? No, probably not. You know, I think things like this are in development for a while, at least a couple of years, could be two to three, even more. So yeah, sure, he had a say in it. I think everything since they got together has had his stamp of approval on it. I do think she will be in for a difficult time figuring out what her new vibe is, just because like she said, he has been kind of governing that for so long and doing an exceptional job. I think some of Kanye's influences, because for me, you know, visually and as a creative, I look at Kanye more so across the table than I do on a pedestal. Musically, pedestal, but visual art, I see him across the table just because I've always known exactly what his references were. And a lot of times I've discovered people that he brought to public consciousness before that. So it was never like, oh my God, Kanye put me up on. Right, right, right. And for me, I've always known who Axel before. What, like I, I see him more as like an art school student, like my peer. Yes. But I do think the Axel Vavort aesthetic is kind of running on fumes. That's no diss to Axel. It's more so they've kind of been doing this kind of like wash, rinse, repeat aesthetic for a long time. You know, the earth tones, the browns, the camels, you know, the brutalist. I wouldn't really describe Axel so much as brutalist, although it has some nods to it. But I think, you know, the concrete floors, the way they redid their house, the Coliseum, like it's all part of this aesthetic you know, no black, no white. And it's all very like cream and espresso from one end to the other. That's, you know, become a, obviously because Kanye's microphone is so loud, like that has become more of like a commercial look now. Like you can get that concrete look at like Target now, you know what I mean? For like a vase, you know what I mean? It's, it's a thing now. So yeah, I mean, it has Kanye written all over it. I do think though, like I said, The other thing part of it, though, actually, before I say that is because Kanye introduced her to a world of great taste, you know, the genie's kind of out of the lamp. Like, so she has access to people with taste without him now. You know what I mean? Like, you know, she could probably probably call, um, you know, a Craig McDean up today. She could probably make those moves on her own now, whereas before they wouldn't have really worked with her. I think what he did was open the floodgates. So that's kind of interesting in terms of like 
where she goes next, it's almost like at least now the world is her oyster. Like she could pick and people are interested. I don't know how they would discern. But yeah, I mean, it's all Kanye. So that's why I'm interested to see like where he ends and where she'll begin. Right. Okay. I sidetracked you in this packaging discussion, but you were saying when you initially got the news, what were your thoughts about her launching this line? Oh yeah. Again, just that it felt kind of late. I mean, listen, I'm not really convinced when any celebrity is launching a skincare line. I think what I really want to know is like, who's doing their lymphatic drainage and like, are they microneedling? Like, I really want to know Period. procedures are getting done. I don't think it's in a bottle for sure. I think at this point, everyone has a product line. You know, we have Haley coming out with one, Selena Gomez. So like at this point, I don't know, I think you have to be of like very low IQ or like a very low frequency or vibration to really believe what they're saying at this point. If you're that person, like amazing, that's why the products exist. But I think for people like us who are a little bit more in the know, I don't think any of us are like thinking that the product is going to like change our skin. What they're really doing is taking the things that they've learned from products that are way more expensive or way more developed and just doing a private label licensing deal for the most part and putting their name on it. You know, I don't believe anyone has any magical formula. I don't think Kim has anything in this. That's like nothing that like Dr. Jart hasn't already done or like a Korean brand hasn't already done better. Like there's no convincing me of that, but you know, I don't know. It's interesting. I guess it's just kind of like her spin on the same tire. Yes. You know, your point about at a lower cost, I mean, the full like nine product range, I think it's like around $630. And, you know, from what I've learned from people that work in the cosmetics or skincare space, one of the things that you want to do is up the, there's an acronym for it, like minimum purchase order, minimum purchase value. Basically, you don't want someone to go on your site and just like buy one lip balm, right? You want to sell things in a set. You want to incentivize people to like purchase, like every person that you convert as like checkout, you want them to buy as much as possible, which is why I think she came out with this like nine step thing. But for me, I just felt like, are we in 2016, like back to like the 10 step Korean skincare? Like that's what felt so like almost like anachronistic about it, where I was like, there was like definitely a whole movement around like 10 step skincare routines and like multi-step skincare routines. And now we're moving towards such a skincare minimalism, a multi-use product. One thing that does several things that I thought it was like almost strange that it was this many steps at once versus like, okay, maybe come out with like one or two superstar products, really wow people with that, and then slowly add to the line. The nine things all together, I think it was just a very interesting choice to go out with. Now, to your point about the formulation, the woman that is being credited, her facialist and esthetician, Joanna Check, who she's worked with for many, many years, a lot of people are saying that she's formulated everything. Now, Joanna Check does have her own skincare line. And I am curious what the difference is between the two. If they're saying like Kim has like improved on it. Now, no one, actually, there are a few people that have tried it that I've spoken to and they say that it's great. They actually got a facial by Joanna Check using the product. So they're like, you know, it was put on me with magic hands and like, it felt great. And my skin looks great because I just got like an incredible facial. I think it'll be different, different once people have it in their bathrooms. But do you think this is going to be like another hit the way that Skims was a hit? Or do you think it's going to be a flop? I don't know. Skims is an exceptional product. It is. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know. I have never tried skin, the beauty line or the skincare line. I can tell you that Skims is doing well because Skims is good. And if anyone's name was on it, it would be doing well. I don't necessarily think it's like a marketing play. I really think it's a fantastic product. Skin, the skincare line, I don't know. I don't know. That would almost be like a you question because I feel like you know so much about product and have tried so many different things. To me, that feels like a marketing gimmick. It feels like, okay, celebrities know that this could make them money, so they're going to launch a product line. It's almost like a little bit insulting to me at this point. It's almost like just talking to the general public, like we're all just really stupid. But if it's for you or you're a big fan, some people get it as like collector's items, you know what I mean? Like the way we were like Beanie Babies. Some people wanted the Crystal Gardenia perfume and they want, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the celebrity perfume. They want the makeup, they want da 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 So I know it was like a rebrand moment. She got rid of KKW. She wanted everything under one roof, which made sense from a business perspective. But what was odd to me is that there's already a skin by Lori Harvey. 
Yes, I was just about to get into that. So what did you think of that controversy? So Skin by Lori Harvey. Equally as unnecessary. (laughs) But it does exist. It exists, spelled S-K-N. Now, the only thing I'll say about Skin by Lori Harvey, because I haven't tried it. Not only have I not tried it, I have like a pretty active community of like die hard. A lot of women of color, a lot of Black women, a lot of people that love Lori Harvey. I have not heard from a single person that has tried her skincare. And I think that is very interesting and kind of strange. I mean, I don't know that it's, I don't know. I'm probably the wrong person to ask, but my big question is why would you do this? Like why? Why take the name? No, like why launch a skincare brand? Oh, well, I think why launch a skincare brand? Clearly, I think this is what, this is what I think happened. And I mean, this is not just my thoughts. I think this has been discussed during COVID everyone had these conversations with their managers where they're like, I can't be on set. I can't tour. I can't physically make money the way that I used to make money. So that's when they started coming together to say, okay, we need to start launching products for you so that you can basically make money in your sleep. It doesn't necessitate you like physically doing anything. That's when everyone started coming out with like their own either tequila brand, their own skin. I mean, Scarlett Johansson has skincare now. John Legend's getting into skincare. Idris Elba's getting into skincare. I mean, JLo, all these people are like getting into products and skincare is a growing sector. We have the numbers. The skincare industry is growing year over year over year over year. During the pandemic, no one cared about makeup. Everyone got really into skincare. So everyone has access to this data where the skincare market is growing. And they're like, well, you should tap into it. People think you're beautiful. People buy what you say to buy. You should have your own skincare. KKW, which I never tried, but I thought that made more sense for her because she's like a makeup girl. She's like contoured down to the gods. And I feel like if she had re-released KKW, a little bit chicer, a little bit kind of like more like reimagined, that would make a lot of sense. But the like industry insider tea that I got was that Kylie skin specifically, like Kylie baby was doing really well. And so they were like, makeup is not the like money maker anymore. It's skincare. And like, you need to just like get into skincare now because that's where the industry is growing. People are buying less and less cosmetics and they're buying more and more skincare. And to your point about IQ level, there's like the adoption curve, right? There are like the early adopters. And then there's like, what's like at the end, like the lagger. It's like the people that are like, the last to kind of like catch on to something. There are still people that don't have a skincare routine that don't know what to buy. And maybe this is for them. Let's hope so. Otherwise she'll be out of business. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of conversation about her taking the name. Uh, there's also a black owned, I believe it's a like spa in New York that's called Skin as well. And there were all of these kind of like lawsuits and claims. And they were saying like, why does she continually like try to like poach and take from other people, specifically women of color? What do you think about that conversation? Do you think she should have been aware of that and say like, people already think that I am someone that's like a culture vulture for lack of a better term. Let me not name my product the same name as a product that's already in market by a black woman. I don't think she really cares. And I don't think she would have done it any differently if it was a white owner. Like, I don't think it's about the skin color. I think it's about her, what she wanted and because it fit her name and her brand and whoever already existed was going to have to contend with her, black or white or blue or brown. The reason why I bring up the racial element is having some level of awareness of how she is already perceived in those communities. So remember when Skims was going to be called like Kimono and people were like, can you just leave our, like, just leave us out of it. And like Skims is a way better name anyway. So she's already dealt with the kimono drama. She's already dealt with people educating her about like the way she talks about braids and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think at this point, she must have some awareness that this is a criticism of hers that's out there, but I guess she just doesn't care. I don't think she's concerned with that at all. I think she's aware, but I don't think she's concerned. It's minor. It's like a little detail. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this just is an IP conversation. She wants the brand name that she wants. You know, she probably had the KK because it's Kim Kardashian, whatever, and maybe skin because of Lori Harvey. This is just an IP thing. And also she could have trademarked it a long time ago. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, just because something launches doesn't mean that the conversation started years ago. So I don't know. That's an IP thing intellectual property. And I think that's tricky. And also the other thing about IP that a lot of people don't realize is that if you start using a brand name 
and you haven't trademarked it, you're still entitled to some trademark rights depending on the category or the class that you're in, right? So like a product goods is different from, you know, a services. There's just so many ways to break down IP because you have to register it by class and every class represents a different set of things. From the outside looking in, it's easy to get riled up about these things if you don't really understand what it is you're talking about. But I would need to know so much more to really understand like, if she's within her right. And honestly, by the way, don't get it twisted. Gender communications is lawyered up. You know what I mean? So they're not making rookie mistakes. You know what I mean? They're trademarking things early. They're trademarking their baby's name the minute they come out of the womb. Like they know the game. You know what I mean? So I think she probably did her diligence and is probably, I have to assume, well within her right to use that title. Totally. When you just said trademarking baby's names, it just made me randomly think, do we know what Kylie Jenner's son's name is because she said it was Wolf and then she was like, we changed the name. To I was positive they couldn't get the trademark and that's probably, probably why they changed it. Oh my God. Hilarious. Hilarious. It was dark, but also like the times that we're living in. <laughs> the times that we're living in. Someone, I think I was looking at something on TikTok about the Kardashian show on Hulu and why it's interesting to watch because again, I'm like, I think I have fairly highbrow television taste. What, why am I watching the show? And one of the things that the person brought up is it's very interesting to see the way that billionaires live. We don't get to see how Jeff Bezos lives. We don't get to see how Mark Zuckerberg lives day to day. Like we don't get to see like the inside of like billionaires homes on like a regular basis. And there is something about that show that's just like the wealth of it all is seductive. And I've been thinking so much about Packaging in skincare as one of the things that people really gravitate towards to like show their identity, right? Like your shelfie, taking it back to Emily Weiss and into the gloss, your shelfie is kind of like a selfie, right? People take a picture of their skincare products and it's somehow a reflection of them and who they are. And so I feel like this is sort of what will make and I'm sorry to say this to my audience because I feel like people will be disappointed for me to say this. I think skin is going to be successful because I think it's that like veneer of a very elevated lifestyle that people want to be seen as like part of and tapping into. And they want that on their shelf. They want that like beautiful, interesting bottle in their beauty cabinet because it's like a reflection of them. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it probably will be successful for those reasons. I just don't believe in celebrity products in general. I see it too much as a marketing tool. You remember when everybody had a fragrance like Britney Spears and Beyonce and whatever, like that's like, and you would see the fragrance like in these like kind of big boxes at like DSW or TJ Maxx or like whatever, like discount aisle. Like that's how I see celebrity goods. I don't take it seriously the way I would something at Sephora. You're about it. Why are you not promoting Joanna's products? Period. Again, it's about the money. Like capitalism has taken over this space. But it's like when people, they, celebrities kill me with that. They're like, well, here's my dermatologist. And that dermatologist or esthetician has their own line of products, which is really where we might need to be at. But yet you've made your version that's supposed to be that experience in a bottle by you. It's like, no, 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 I'll skip the middleman. What's your esthetician's name? I'll go to her. <laughs> right. Well, to your point about celebrity product, I mean, I think The Row, which I know you're a huge fan of The Row. Iconic. They did that. Like the Olsons did that. I like don't even remember their movies. It's just next level. It's insane. It's like so good. They know who their customer, like they came in with a very strong point of view. I think human race is amazing, but I think it's because of Pharrell's allegiance to Dr. Elena Jones and how closely they've worked together. I mean, she's been his dermatologist for 20 years and he's kind of brought her along on this journey. And well, there was one other celebrity brand that I was, oh, and Fenty. Fenty. I think Fenty Beauty, the fragrance didn't do it for me, but like, I think a lot of the makeup products are really, really good. So I think it can be done. It just has to be done with intention. And I think Skims is good because the shape, I mean, Spanx, like no one our age was like, ooh, let me go out and buy Spanx. It was like that industry like needed a shakeup. And Kim was the perfect person to do it because she's always in like skin tight clothing and her body always looks very snatched. So it made sense. I do think that the skincare line is going to be successful. Now, would you be open to trying it? And if you tried it and you liked it, would you, you know, like how you said, like, well, Skims is good. Like if it was good, would you be open to it? Or just on principle, you're like, no. 
No, I mean, first of all, I would try it if it was given to me for free. If it was seated to me, yes, absolutely. And if it was good, I would shout it from the heavens. Like if something's good, like listen, I'm critical, but I'm not a hater. Like to be a hater, you have to be void of all reason and truth. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm pretty reasonable. If something's good, I'm going to say that it's good. Even if I might say it begrudgingly, it's good, you know? And you brought up a really good point about some of these celebrities who have kind of segued properly, you know, Pharrell, the Olsons, Fenty, you're right, Skims. There are a few like unicorns, if you will, in the space where you, the product is so good that it's separate from the voice. So yes, that's true. If skin is good, then it's good. I don't know. And maybe it is, but I'm not necessarily going to like seek it out to find out. But Skims is amazing. And I love Skims so much. I really swear by that. My girlfriend is pregnant. I sent her like 10 different cues. I was like, you're going to love this. I know you would never buy this on your own. The colorways, the product. I mean, it's a really good product. I think she did that. She truly, 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 truly did that. And you know, she did because that's the thing about the peddling, right? Like the marketing, the peddling it to the customer. When you don't really need to do that anymore, people are just like, yo, this slaps, this hits. Then you really made it, you know? And I'm not sure that a lot of these other celebrities can say that about their goods. They're really front and center on stage. Like, don't forget, click that subscribe button. Like, no, 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 no. Mary Kate and Ashley don't have to say anything for you to want. Period. You know what I mean? And especially if people don't know who the owner is, then you've made it even more. They don't even know that it's a celebrity brand. Again, I would say the Olsons, real quick to digress, I would say the Olsons are not in that category at all. The same way I feel about Emily Weiss. I'm like, no, don't. they don't belong in that <laughs> space. They've so far transcended it and they've treated the industry with such respect. So I don't really see them as like celebrity brand. Like they're annoyed to even go to the Met. Right. They can't even be bothered with that. So it's like, they're definitely not looking for like fame anymore. They have totally, they're above that. They're like, oh my God, we remember you used to like doing magazine covers. You guys are cute. Yes, exactly. They've transcended it. Very quickly before we wrap up, there's one thing that you said that I feel like perplexed. I feel like just bring me on to be a consultant for these celebrity brands. Like, why hasn't any celebrity figured out, like, I am going to like work with like Restylane, Juvederm, Botox, like this micro needling thing, this like laser company, this like medical spa thing to like, get into like what actually is making my skin look this good. Now, Gwyneth Paltrow did in an interview say that she used some sort of like Botox type thing. And she's like, I use it. And like, it makes me like youthful. That's like not overdone. And I was like, thank God that she like actually said that she does something more than skincare. But why hasn't a celebrity tapped into developing their own, you know, co-brand, you know, filler, Botox, laser thing? To me, that feels like that's where the money is. I think that's a really good question. And I have no idea. I wonder if there's regulations around it. I can't imagine that there is though. I think that's like the next frontier because like we know that your skin looks great for a thousand reasons and skincare is at the very, very, very bottom of that list. Right. It's not your hyaluronic acid. Stop. It really isn't. It really isn't. I have to ask you while I have you, what skincare or beauty products are you loving lately? Oh, well, this is an interesting question because Dr. Elena Jones literally just killed my entire shelfie. Oh, gosh. Every time I go to her, I bring all of my products and she's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I did. She was like, stop using that. That's no, that's no, that's no. Literally looked up all the ingredients in front of me. She was like, nope, that's a no. And I was like, what? I just bought this. Okay, so I'll give you my pre-Dr. Elena Jones and post. (laughs) Yes. Cleanser's Epilogic got that from you. I mean, not the products, but I got the idea to buy it from her, from you, Epilogic. Toner is either Paula's Choice, 2% BHA, or Youth to the People for AHA. Although I stopped using that, and I feel like it was a little sticky. The Youth to the People one. But the Paula's Choice BHA, I love. Amazing. It's so good. Matter of fact, if that's what Kim has in that bottle, I might get it for cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Then for moisturizer, I do... Well, I was using Laneige water cream, which I love, but I switched to Dr. Jart's Tiger Grass cream, which I also love so much. Dr. Jones mixed both of those. Why did she mix them? There's too much oil in each of them. She was like, go for something in the water base, like a vino over-the-counter target, I'm telling you. And I was like, no, what? And she was like, yeah, let's get, you don't need all this. This is doing too much. So, I mean, you can if you want, but, you know, I have like, some specific things that I'm working on. So she was like, just CeraVe and Avino, I'm telling you, which, you know, is like 
a little disheartening because, you know, we love the joy of a good product, (laughs) but it made sense. She was like, especially for my skin, she was like, you don't need any oils. You don't need any of this. Like, I know you love this packaging, but like go for these water-based moisturizers that you think are very underwhelming for you. That's what you need. You don't even want to risk it. She prescribed me some Altrino. Yes. I I love Altrino because... I told her, like, I was like, retinols, it's too much for me. It just makes my skin unhappy. And she was like, you need like a lotion-based retinol. And she put me onto Altrino. It's so good. Changed your life? Was it good? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I like stopped using retinol just when I was pregnant. I stopped, obviously, and then breastfeeding. And then I just like have been so lazy. I haven't like used it again. But I loved Altrino. And retinol in general is just great. I'm very excited. I was on tretinoin, but it was kind of like a low-grade tretinoin and my skin got used to it, but it did clear my skin so much. So when I moved back to New York, I went to go see her and she was like, Altrino was like a higher grade tret, so you should like this. She gave me a little bit of hydroquinone 4% gel, which I'm a little nervous about, but she was like, don't worry, it's not going to bleach your skin. Bleach your skin. Yep. We've had those same conversations. Yeah. So that's what my skincare is giving right now. Just the kind of same. Again, I've wiped out a lot of that stuff. I'm really just doing like CeraVe, the HydroQ gel, Atrino, and Aveeno moisturizer. It's very simple now. It's like four things. Okay. I love it. And you know, final question, you know, I have to ask you while you're here, you can't leave Naked Beauty without answering. When do you feel most beautiful lately? Oh, this is a good question because my answer a few years ago when you asked me was different, although it's still true, but it was a different answer. Lately, my I feel the most beautiful when I leave the gym. And I know you're going to relate to this because you've been working out your ass off too. That is the best feeling when you worked out really hard, you're sweating, you're either about to start your day or you're about to close your day. I usually work out in the morning. I think that's when I'm feeling like, oh, kick ass. Yeah, it's a great feeling. And you're just like, I did it. Like, even if I don't do anything else today, like I did my workout. So bye. Exactly. It feels really good. That's when I feel the most beautiful. And I also just love the idea of like progress. I love the idea of being like on a track and seeing the progressive overloads, just like seeing the changes. It's just like, okay, if nothing else in my life is going well, this is. A hundred percent. I totally relate to that. (laughs) Well, Rachel, thank you so much for gracing us here on Naked Beauty with your wisdom and insight and knowledge and point of view. You are such a joy and Cutting Room Floor is back. When are we getting it back? I don't want to give you the exact date because I have okay. a bad habit of giving the date and then something happens and you have to do it two days later and then people on Patreon like, bitch, you lied. Where is it? Like, there's <laughs> too much pressure. So I'm trying to just do like my Beyonce 2013 album. Like I just self-titled. I don't really promote it. It just drops because, you know what I mean? I like to be a person of my word and I actually feel bad when I can't hold up to that. I'll you know link to your Instagram here. I'll link to the Patreon. I'll link to everything so people can be ready when it does drop. And the fact, like, you know, we talked about skincare and the beauty world today, but the fashion world is also just going through like a real crisis, right? There's just a lot going on. There's so, so going on. I'm so honored <laughs> to be on the show. You know, this is my favorite pod. I don't even know how I keep making it onto the show because I feel like I know nothing about beauty and skin, but oh I do pay attention to culture, I guess. So I'm very, very honored whenever I'm asked to come chat. Oh my gosh, of course. All right. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Have a good night. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, 
That was my discussion with Rachel on all of the stuff that's happening in kind of the skincare world and beauty world. Now, I hope you all enjoyed it. This was a little different than my usual Naked Beauty interview. If you do want an interview with Rachel, just search her name in the archives. She has been on this podcast. She's one of my favorite guests ever. I think she's been on three times, but this was a conversation that I think really needed to be had. And I'm really happy to have been able to provide the platform and just kind of like lend our voices here. I'm curious to hear what you all think. You can DM me as usual. Let us know if we like hit on everything that you're thinking as well. I'll be curious to see how this evolves. And I am off to Scotland tonight. I'm so excited. I'm going to this black tie wedding, a fabulous over the top wedding, which means I get to get really dressed up in these like over the top looks. I've never been to Scotland either. So I'm very excited. Thank you all so much for listening. And I'll be back next week with a new episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.